Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 39 of the IT Career Energizer, a weekly podcast where I chat with inspiring IT professionals, consultants, and experts from around the world. To find out more about the podcast, visit itcareerenergizer.com. And don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And now let's chat with today's featured guest, Brian P. Hogan. Brian is a web developer, teacher, book editor, and musician. He is also author of several books, including Exercises for Programmers. Brian is currently a technical editor at DigitalOcean and is also a development editor at the Pragmatic Programmers, as well as a panelist on the Ruby Rogues podcast. So, Brian, can I ask you to expand on that brief introduction and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, I think you covered it pretty uh, pretty well. Uh, I, I guess the, the common theme through all this is that I come from a background of educators. I come from a teacher's uh, family, and I've always enjoyed helping people grow their skills. And um, you know, technology is kind of an interesting place because there's always something new to learn. There's always some new uh, new framework coming out, some new programming language coming out, some new way of doing things, and it's. Uh, it's, it's something that I really enjoy helping people do is, fig, you know, I'll figure this thing out and then figure out a great way to explain it to somebody else. Can you share a unique career tip that the IT career energizer audience need to know and probably don't? You know, I always fall back on on this when people ask this question, and that is that software development is about 80% people. You know, you, you think it's, oh, it's coding. It's all about learning the code, learning the language. Uh, but it's it's really about people. You, as a software developer, you're not necessarily getting paid for the number of lines of code that you write or the kinds of programming languages that you use. You're often getting paid to make somebody's pain point go away or to solve some business problem, to make money for someone. And and if you build the wrong thing because you're not listening or you don't ask the right questions uh, or there's just some miscommunication, th- there are a lot of problems that can arise from that. So the, the, there's a lot of... Uh, of emphasis being placed now on communication, learning to write effectively, learning to present your ideas effectively, learning to listen and communicate. And so that is the thing that I see a lot of successful people doing is investing in those, they call them soft skills. I don't think they're soft skills. I think they're quite hard. I think they're, they're something different, but if you can learn to uh, learn a functional programming language or teach yourself to code, you can also learn the ins and outs of communication. And it's, it's such a valuable tool for your tool belt. Obviously, you mentioned um, maybe the communication isn't necessarily so good within the IT industry. Um, historically, obviously, you get the the sort of stereotypical programmer sat in a basement somewhere with no windows and unable to communicate to anybody. Do you feel that that view of programming or developers has changed? I think that it's changed in some respects and not changed in some other. I sometimes see the way that people talk to other programmers uh, and, you know, oh, you're not using that 
you're, you're using that instead of this. You're using Vim instead of Emacs. Oh, that's stupid. You know, and there's sort of this condescending tone. Oh, you're not using the thing that I like or the thing that I use. That's, you know, there's, there, there's a little bit of a problem. Um, and, and I, you know, one of my younger days, I used to be like that. I would give presentations and I'd give talks and, you know, kind of take shots, take cheap shots at things. And one of the lessons that I learned over the years is that you can do a lot better for other people. You can do a lot better for the world. If instead of saying you're doing it wrong, get up in, in front of people and say, I've been playing with this. I think this is cool. I want to share this with you. Uh, and it just, it just sort of changes the whole thing. And, and what I'm starting to see, it makes me smile is I'm starting to see that that's how communities are, are evolving. The, the, there are more and more people than ever willing to share their knowledge and experience through YouTube videos or online courses or tutorials that they write or books that they write or even the combination, you know, the, the, the book and the, 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 uh, the coaching and all that, and even podcasts, uh, and all these things that it's all, it's all, it's all sharing and it's all communication and it's making the field better. It's making us better so that when we go, you know, when we get out of our nerd circles and we go talk to the customer, uh, the client, the person who's setting our paychecks, our boss, maybe where they're negotiating for a raise, or maybe we're negotiating to get our new project launched off the ground, or maybe we really want to use this new technology at work. We're, we're in a better place to present those ideas and, and, and be effective in solving people's problems. I think my view is that, um, that that's definitely improved. And the, the way people who work in IT now have a better understanding of of what they do and how that provides benefit to the end user, I think that's been a significant improvement in that over the last few years. I think I think you're I think you're absolutely absolutely right, and I think that there's a um, there's there's room for us to improve, but we're a lot better as an industry than I think we used to be. Yeah. Um, Brian, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? My worst one was, I think, deleting a production database and not having a backup of it. I mean, you know, um, and it was a it was a fairly large, important production database at the time, and I, I didn't have a backup, not because I didn't try to have a backup. I, I quite literally had backups running, uh, but it, it is the cliched story of yes, you backed up your stuff, but did you ever try to restore it? And 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 you know, no matter how many how many backup jobs you have in place. I can promise you that the one you need won't work. So I got to learn a lot about how to restore data from session logs and database logs and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't great. And we did lose some data and we actually uh, did have some upset customers, uh, you know, and, 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 and it, it really made me feel, you know, it just made me feel really bad. And, and, and every now and then I'll hear a story like this, you know, I'll hear a story like this where some newbie developer, ended up deleting something and causing all of this problem. And of course the newbie developer gets, they feel bad, but in some cases they get fired, they lose their job or, you know, they're, they're, they're punished in some way. And when I think back to like when it happened to me, I shouldn't have had access to do what I did. You know, I shouldn't have had access to do that. And, and you know, it, it should be impossible for somebody who is a software developer to delete a production database that there should be other safeguards in place. Uh, but you know, there aren't, and that's a communication thing, and uh, that's a process thing, and, and and that's sort of the thing to learn from that. You know, is 
I implore everyone who's listening to not make the same mistake I made. Don't delete databases in production uh, and learn, learn from that. Learn from what I'm saying. And number one, put safeguards in place to prevent yourself from being able to do that. Like if someone offers you their production database password, just, nope, I don't want to know it. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, make sure that the, make sure that you're doing restores of, of your data. Make sure that you can restore stuff. You know, even even with your home stuff, if you've got a if you've got a a, a home machine that you're backing up your family photos somewhere to the cloud or whatever, try to pull some photos off there every you know every once in a while and make sure you can actually restore those backups. Make make sure things working. I've had Time Machine stop working on my Mac. I've had cloud, various cloud backup solutions just stop backing things up for no reason. And didn't know it, you know. Uh, so, data loss can happen. Make sure you can get your stuff back. Yeah, I think that these days we tend to be very reliant on on just assuming these things will work, um, and it can become a bit of a shock when they don't. Well, they're written by they're written by humans. I mean, computers are computers are perfect. That's what I, I used to tell my students all the time. Computers are perfect. The people are the ones that have the problems, and so through whatever whatever without, the computer will do exactly what we tell it to do, and uh, and nothing more. So if, if 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 humans, which are fragile and fallible at times, and will make mistakes, they will put those mistakes into the computer programs, and bad things can happen. Can you tell us about your IT career highlight or greatest success, and and how that came about? Absolutely. This is uh, I've told this story a lot uh, a few times uh, in various places, and I, I it's it makes me smile every time I tell it because. There's a lesson here that a lesson that my grandpa my grandpa taught me. It was about 2005 or so, and I was about ready to hang it up. I was just tired of software development. I wasn't doing what I, I wasn't doing anything that I enjoyed. I wasn't really solving anybody's problems. I wasn't making anything better, uh, and I was just plugging along, working on some some web and database stuff that no one would ever see because it was it was one of those back end things where you know big big enterprisey stuff where the only people who are going to see it are people who worked there. And you know, it was just just kind of the same thing day in and day out. And there was a consultant that came to to visit us to help us do a migration from uh, from one system to another. You know, to to really up do do that to sort of sort of upgrade thing from upgrading from legacy stuff to the, whatever the new shiny was. And he came along and he proposed that we should use Ruby uh, for for this thing. And of course, this is two thousand five, and no one was using Ruby. And of course, he was immediately dismissed. Uh, no, we're not doing that. You know, you, we hired you to come here and show us how to do this in Java. And so he did. He did a very nice job. He's a wonderful, wonderful person, uh, and, and uh, to to come and do this. But he, uh, we got to talking, and I was talking about a side project that I was working on to try to get a little more income, working working for a, a local business, uh, building a web application for them. And building a front-facing website, and it was great. It was, you know, but it was taking me forever to pull it off. And he, he was like, you know, what you're describing sounds like it'd be perfect if you use, you know, if you use Ruby on Rails to pull this off. And we, we did this massive rewrite of this thing, and it only took us a couple of days. And I'm, and I'm thinking, ah, that's that's crazy, man. That that's just second system effect talking. Where, of course, it's easier to rebuild the thing you just built in a new language because you already solved the hard problems, which are you know, the process problems. So I was kind of skeptical, and he's like, you know, just come to lunch with me. Come to lunch with me, and I will, I will, uh, I'll buy you a burger, and I'll show you what's up. And I'm like, I'm really busy, man. I, I, I can't. I, I just don't have time. I don't have time. And and he, uh, you know, he was persistent. And then, and so I went. I went to lunch with him, 
and he proceeded to show me how to rewrite six months of work that I had done on this client project over lunch in an hour. And so I was sold and, and I was able to go and take, take that and present that to, you know, to my, to my boss, be able to say, look, I, these are the things we can do. We can, we can do this faster. And I was able to kind of spring up, uh, a, a, you know, a, a second development department where we were able to do our work in Ruby and, and do a lot of the projects using that and save an awful lot of time. But the, but the weird part about that was we were in an environment that was a Windows environment and, and getting Ruby to run in production on Windows in 2005 was damn near impossible. But we, um, with, the, with the help of some wonderful, wonderful people in, in the Ruby community, in um, uh, Zed Shaw especially, he worked with me to help me figure out a way to make it work on Windows and we were able to pull this off. And I wrote a series of blog posts about that. And lo and, me, lo and behold, the, the consultant that had came to work work for us uh, saw them. And this consultant's name is, is Bruce Tate. He's done a whole bunch of work in Java, a whole bunch of work in Ruby. Now he's working on stuff in the, in the Elixir community. Uh, I, I, someone I look up to immensely. But he saw what I had written, and he invited me to, to submit a chapter for a book on deploying Rails applications. And he wanted the chapter to be at, about Windows. That was my initial connection to the Pragmatic Bookshelf, which is what essentially launched my career in uh, education. It launched my career in uh, writing books. Um, launched my career as, as a technical communicator. And you know, the, this is a long way for me to explain this story, but the lesson my grandfather all, taught me over and over again was the answer is always no unless you say yes. So say yes. When a really smart person asks you to go to lunch with them because they want to show you something, just say yes. Yeah, absolutely right. Yes, I think you can you can uh, too easily ignore the opportunities that present themselves to, to you. Um. Can you tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT and why? You have no idea what you're going to be doing in a year from now. Like that's that's what excites me is that whatever's hot today won't be hot tomorrow um, because there'll be something even better. And it, it, you can get upset like I do every once in a while about the rapid pace of change in the JavaScript landscape, how there's a new framework by the time I'm done recording this podcast. But the reality is... It's really cool that that's the case, that we're innovating and we're making, we're, we're attempting to make things better. One of the things that I always found interesting was, was looking back at the computer programming languages that I learned when I was in college. And the only ones that I still use today are HTML and JavaScript, because when I went to college, there was no CSS. But the, 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 but the thing is, is I'm still using those technologies, but everything else I learned is, is out of date. You know, if you're if you're building up building up a development environment or a production environment for your software, and you're not using Chef or Ansible or some other kind of configuration management thing, you're just using Bash scripts to put stuff together. You know, that's not the way to do it anymore. There's a better way to do it. There's there's a newer, uh, more uh, more foolproof and safer way to put those things together. You know, if you're if you're creating Snowflake servers in the cloud instead of coming up with some automated process to pr to deploy and provision your servers, that's you know, they're, they're, you take a look, there are some cool ways to do it. Uh, so what excites me is the fact that there's so many opportunities to learn new things and grow. Professional development is built into the career. That is incredibly exciting. The languages you learn right now uh, are, they're not, they're not the end of your journey. They're preparing you to learn the next language that you're going to have to use later on. 
people have to bear in mind that they need to keep learning as well. Yeah, I think because of the pace of change is so much, you risk being left behind if you're not keeping yourself up to date. Yeah, and I, 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 this is one of those one of those really tricky subjects to talk about too, because there's there's this there's this belief in the industry that you sort of have to invest in yourself because your company's not going to do that for you, and that unfortunately leaves some people some people don't have the ability to take time out of their personal lives to improve their career to do that they sort of need that to be part of their job they need the need to be able to, to uh, do that and work with their managers work with their companies to f- uh, to find opportunities to grow uh, as a software developer uh, you know that said if you just kind of choose to work with 15 year old technology and are not interested in growing I can certainly show you many examples of people who've done just that and are now finding a really hard time uh, getting a job because they don't have the skills they want that that, that companies want anymore. We're going to go into the reveal round now. Um, are you ready for this? All right, let's do it. Okay. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? My dad brought a computer home uh, when I was little. and he, My dad was a teacher for the blind and he, ah. uh, he showed me how to use uh, a computer to talk. Um, cause it, and it was just really cool to hear, like he typed the words and the computer would talk, talk back. And I was really bad at, really bad at math. And so my dad taught me, he wasn't a programmer, but he learned enough programming to be dangerous. And he taught me how to write a program that would quiz me on math. And that just hooked me. That just hooked <laughs> me right from, right from the very beginning. I was like in fourth grade and I was writing little basic, little basic programs and stuff. And it was like, this is the best thing ever. Cause I can use programming to solve a problem. So I never got into programming as like, I love computer science. I, I, got into programming because this is a tool that will make my pain go away. And I've realized I can make other people's problems go away with it too. What is the best career advice you've ever received? The best career advice I've ever received is the answer is always no, unless you say, you know, unless you ask, <laughs> you know, they, they, if you, if you want to, if you, if you, you, you want recognition, you have to figure out a way to ask for it. If you want more money, you have to figure out a way to ask for it. You have to, uh, you have to be your own advocate. You, you really do. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to fight for yourself. Um, and, you know, if, if you uh, if you build it, they will come is not a, not a viable strategy. But yeah, the answer is no, unless you ask, is a viable strategy. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? Not go to school for programming. I would have gone to school for business and then uh, learn programming on my own. Um, because one of the things that I've learned over the years is that I uh, tend to do things. I write programs that tend to support businesses, whether it's a product or you know something else. Understanding what how they think is important. Understanding what you know the bigger picture is really important. Um, so, and, and I discovered it. You can you can you program outside of an educational institution, and you'll find that. An accounting background is somewhat helpful if you happen to be working on the code for an accounting system. What career objectives are you focusing on right now? Right now, um, I, I taught software development for a few years, and as a result, I kind of got a little bit. Um, I didn't get to focus enough on the server side stuff on the uh, you know provisioning servers. I you know I I, had, I was the assisted men for a long time that used Bash scripts to provision things, and, and you know all these things happened while I was teaching. I was focusing on the software development and stuff. All this stuff happened like Docker and containerization and um, Ansible and SaltStack and things like that. And I 
like, I want to know about that stuff. I want to know about stuff. So no, now I have enough, I have opportunities to, to focus on that and, and expand my skill set in there. Cause I find that the intersection of code and, uh, standing up servers, I find that the whole DevOps thing to be just absolutely fascinating and, and totally cool. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? That's, a, it's kind of a toss up between the, uh, the, the communication skills that I've built up over the years, um, uh, you know, related, like related to teaching and, and things like that and music because you know, music is how I can express myself creativity creatively, but it also, it also helps me solve problems. For example, if I'm stuck on a particularly difficult problem, just being able to do something creative will help me push that problem back off into the, into my subconscious. And, you know, my brain can kind of crack away on that. And a lot of times I'll come back inspired. So, so I, I, I have found over the years from talking with people that if you're stuck on a very t- difficult problem, do something creative, some kind of creative outlet, uh, you know, whether it's drawing or just doodling, or if you sing, you know, sing, uh, but do something that it's less analytical and more, more creative. So it's engaging your brain in a different way. Yeah. Brian, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? I think one of the most uh, important things you can do and do, do for your career is meet people, network people. Like the story I told, but you're know, going going to lunch with people, uh, expanding that network, and not not expanding a network so that you can get a job somewhere, but expanding that network so you can create meaningful relationships with other people in the industry. And, and I say that because you can't know everything. There's there's so much out there, so many different programming languages, so many different paradigms out there that when a problem comes up, you don't have to face it alone if you have a good network of people that you can talk with and ask. You can say, I don't, I don't understand this, but I know that you work with us every day. Could you sit down with me and explain this? If you don't have that network or you've just sort of cobbled something together when you're on the job hunt and then you kind of ignore those people until you need them again, that'll work against you. But if you cultivate this network where you're willing to give, you're willing to do that five minute favor for somebody, you know, make an introduction or you're willing to, you know, pay it forward, you'll, you'll, you'll reap those rewards. So it'll pay dividends. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? You can connect with me on Twitter at BP Hogan. Uh, that's that's the best way. I'll answer you know I'll answer questions. I'll engage with people. That's the that's the best place. Okay, Brian, thanks so much for joining me on the IT Career Energizer podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you very much. This has been fun. My thanks to Brian for being such a great guest on this week's show. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e38. In next week's episode, I'll be talking with Simon Brown, a software architect and author of the book Software Architecture for Developers. If you haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.